Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. That's what we major on here. And most of you actually believe that. But when things go wrong, you might still wonder a little bit, is God really for me? Because of this background of God's in control teaching that we've been given. And it's like, you know what? God is in control of where he is. He's in control of himself. He's in control of that eternal dimension. But he gave this place to us, and he's working with us now. He gave us free will to make decisions, and look what we've done with it. (laughs) A lot of good, a lot of bad. Then he says, you know, because I love you, I don't want you living in the fruit of death. I'm going to pull you out of it. I'm going to give you a way out. Amen? Well, we are in the middle, kind of nearing, I don't know, right in the middle. If you're a visitor today, this is your first time, you're a guest with us, welcome, welcome. You've stepped into kind of the middle of a series that is our core values and beliefs as a church. Let's just run through those real quick, Philip, if you've got those on the ready. Our first one is, is God is good. Pretty simple. He's good and only good. He's not bringing death and destruction and calamity and, and even suffering into your life. He gave you everything he has for you in Christ. You don't get more of God through physical circumstances, right? God is spirit, and he gives you all of himself in Christ. And so he's seeking to be good to you. He's seeking to bless you. Next one. Jesus is enough. Every time we go back through these, I want to re-preach every one of them, right? <laughs> but Jesus is enough for your righteousness. You, you know, you can, I was thinking about this this week. What if you were never worried or afraid of judgment? You know, what, what if you just didn't, you know, I realize there is a final judgment, there is a resurrection, believers will stand before God, and our works are weighed or measured or judged, but your works are judged for rewards, your works are not judged for punishment or penalty. Jesus absorbed all of the judgment for, of the punishment of sin and death in Christ on your behalf. So basically... Your final judgment as a believer is standing before the Father and Him rewarding you for all of those things that you probably did. You know, when you think you've done something well that you deserve a reward for, those probably aren't the things. Probably going to be the little things that you didn't even realize. Now, I don't know what that whole reward system is, but what if you lived, what if if you just were never worried about your relationship with God? Or you just never worried about how he felt about you. You just were com- continually convinced that he loved you. Amen. He's sufficient. He is sufficient for your acceptance before the Father. <coughs> Next one. You're a new creation, you know? You're not half dead, half alive. You still have a physical body that is described as flesh, but the flesh nature of you, and that word sarks is used in two different contexts, one for a physical body and one for a nature, and that old nature, the old man, the old you was removed, and you were created into a new creature. 
Amen? Amen. You don't have a sinful desire as your default set anymore. You might in your mind and in your thinking, but in the kind of being that you are, you don't. Amen? Amen. If you can amen that, man, I'm telling you, it's a big one. Next one. Grace is transformative power. You know, we, miss, we mix the definitions of mercy and grace. You know, mercy is what we Southerners call, well, bless your heart. <laughs> you big dummy. You, you, you know what I mean. You, you give somebody something they don't deserve. You, you're kind to somebody when they really blow it. That's mercy. That's not what grace is. Grace is a power to strengthen you so you don't blow it. And it transforms you. It, it transforms you. Because you've got a new root of identity within you, this grace will transform every other aspect of your life. I mean, talk to people that have really experienced. Those of you that are sitting there during that worship song and you're, you're thanking God for saving you because you've really been saved from something and then you experienced what grace really is, you know what I'm talking about. Some of us hear these messages and we don't, we don't experience grace. We've been hearing this stuff for years and we still don't experience the power of grace. I mean that transformative power that changes your thought patterns. So we don't realize that the way that you naturally think can change. It can be influenced by a new identity, by knowing who you are in Christ, knowing what he's done for you, and it produces different thought patterns, thoughts that tend toward life, thoughts that tend toward hope, and expectation, and thoughts based on God's promises rather than your failure. That sounds pretty good. That's the power of grace. Next one. Trust God. I mean, really, just trust God. See, that's why we spend so much time rebuilding your view of God so that you actually will trust Him. Because we pray, and then we're like, but I don't really trust I don't really believe that that's going to happen, so I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. See, to trust God is to actually make different choices after you've prayed, standing on his promises. Your choices should be based on his promises, based on who he says that you are. Well, if this is true, God, man, I'm moving that direction. I'm all in. Next one is love people. And these are the two commandments of of Jesus, really. These are new covenant commandments. Love God, which essentially is trust God, and love people. Loving people is the strategy that Jesus gave us to show the world that we follow Jesus and ultimately convince them that God sent Jesus into this earth. I'm going to talk about this next one today. I think it's the next one. Where are we? Go ahead to the next one. Yes, God is active. Now, when we're formulating, when I was going through, and, and really, you know, it took a while. It took years to get to where you can encapsulate these kinds of things. You know, I just don't want to rush anything. So it's like we've been preaching a lot of these same ideas and, and you know, for a while now. I mean, the church is nine years old. But it was just recently, I guess within the last year, maybe a year and a half, that this progression just kind of fell into place. And you know it's God. Because, you know, you have all of these, con and this is, what, this is what I want to do with biblical truth as a teacher, is take these large concepts that seem to be disconnected doctrinally in the Bible and show them 
to be understandable through Christ and then show you how there's really just one theme rather than all these separate doctrines. You know, people didn't end up coming with doctrines of like, well, sanctification and justification are all different, and sanctification without the justification is the progressive. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Jesus does it all. Amen. <coughs> anyway, rabbit trail. But God is active. You know, there is a large group of Christianity that believes that the Holy Spirit moved in the early believers to establish his church, and then he took a seat, gave us the Bible, and they say that the Bible is the perfect, when the perfect comes. And it's like, we're just in the Bible. We're just going to go with what the Scripture says. And so you end up basing your identity on your interpretation of Scripture. And it's right, this is the interpretation that's right. And it's not, we're not, you know, forget all about that Holy Spirit stuff. That stuff's weird. I don't understand. Then you get all these doctrinal debates of whether or not God will heal if healing is part of the atonement, meaning what Jesus paid for, healing is part of it. And you get all these splintered doctrines. But when you look at, if, if you start with Jesus, it's like, all right, to understand theology and to understand God, I'm going to look at Jesus. And then everything else has to make sense in him. Everything that I'm seeking to dissect out and understand as a doctrine, I have to look at Jesus. And what did Jesus show me in this? How does this make sense in who he revealed God to be and what he said? And instead of all this stuff that's splintered. But a big one is whether or not God is active and, it, and how he's active. You know, and, and God is good. The, or the first one we went through, we went through the whole thing in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, uh, God will not allow more to come on you than you can bear, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. And what we hear is God won't put more on you than you can bear. Did you hear the difference? If you didn't hear the difference, time to go back and listen to that message again. The difference is he's either doing it or he's allowing it. Ultimately, he's got to allow everything that we choose. But when it comes, when the temptation, which is always tied to trials and tests, when we went through all that in the message, uh, he makes a way out. God is not bringing trials and tests to see if you pass the test to get something from him. He gave you everything that he has in Jesus. Amen? So is he active? Yes, he's active, but he's active in a good way. Further down in James, it says, it's, don't get this part wrong. It's the good and perfect gifts that come from God. Amen. In whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, King James says. Basically, what that means is that ain't going to change. There, he's not gonna, there's not going to be any variance in God that changes the idea that it's the good things that come from him. You following me? Good and only good. He's good. God is good. And his definition of good is better than ours. His definition of good doesn't include a little bit of cancer here, a little bit of debt here, a little bit of worry here. We've brought God down to our level of experience, especially in the area of the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to look at this today. You know, God is active means he's moving in your life. You, 
here's, here's the picture that I want you to have of God. This is the picture that I have of God. I'll describe it to you, and, you know, you, you formulate something for yourself. But, you know, it says that God looks into the earth, and his eyes run to and fro, seeking whom he can bless. Right now, in this moment, your heavenly Father is watching you, affirming, Romans 8, affirming to you in your heart that you're his child. Amen. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. Every day, every moment, Amen. you are hearing from your father, you belong to me. I'm your father. I'm good. I love you. I have good things for you. You're safe with me. You don't have to worry. You know, like, a, like any father would. Any, you know, good father let's say. That's God. And aside from him affirming that identity and that relationship, he's looking at your life and he's seeking to guide you. Jesus said, when the spirit is given, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. He will remind you what the father said. Jesus said, I'll no longer call you servants, but I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what his master knows, but a friend knows what his master, what his friend knows, essentially. Jesus said, I have revealed to you everything the Father has made known to me. You're not in this distant relationship with God trying to find some information to complete your life. The issue is, are we yielded in our hearts to his leading? And one of the big reasons that we're not yielded in our hearts to his leading, which he will only lead you into good, is that where we think we are, who we think we are, who we think, God, all this stuff that, that this church exists undo. You know, I mean, you come in here, it's like a detox center. Some of y'all have withdrawals when y'all come in here. <laughs> withdrawals from religion. I've seen it. That's all I'm going to say about that right now. So God is active and he's active in a way where affirming to you your relationship with him and seeking of how he can bless you. Now, again, the suffering thing, which I've gone into great detail because, you know, people think these things and it's hard to just make these statements without some qualification sometimes. God might call you into an area where you eventually experience suffering because you're following him, but his plan is not the suffering that could just be the circumstance that you find yourself in because you're following him. Amen? Amen? You going through that suffering by saying yes to your calling doesn't make you more holy. It just means for whatever reason, God has called you into an area where there might be some suffering associated with it. That's just the way it is. But you could, you've got a choice whether you can say yes or no. So... I just want to look in the area of, you know, let's break this down a little bit. <clears throat> Let me finish that idea with his eyes running to and fro. This is the picture that I see of God. I wake up in the morning and he's watching me. You ever, you ever watch your kids when they were sleeping, when they're babies? You're just over the crib and you're watching them. And you're like, oh, my gosh, look, the, look at their finger. You don't look at your 20-year-old's fingers. <laughs> I look at my kids' toes, and I'm like, man, go wash that foot. That thing stinks. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when they're babies, they're like, 
Look at the finger. Look at the nose. You know, that, that's God just doting over you, just looking at you. I had an experience like that one time. I remember, you know, there's just experiencing a particular stress. And, 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 and we had kids at the time. I think, I think it was just Sydney. We were in Huntsville. And I was in there looking at her, and she finally went to sleep. And, it, you know, and you don't, you know how it is when you're a new parent. You just, you just crazy. <laughs> you don't know what to expect. And so she, was, she got to sleep, and Sarah was doing something. I remember I went and laid on the bed. And I was just, you know, wasn't really even trying to pray or worship or nothing. I was just aware of God. And the concept hit me. Just like I had been in there overlooking Sydney, that's what he was doing while I was laying on my bed. Just, just looking at me. And he's just waiting for my eyes to make contact with his eyes. Because that's what you want. That's what every new parent wants is their baby to look at them. Amen. Am I telling you the truth? You want that baby to look in your eyes, you know. You get excited when that thing looks at you, that thing. <laughs> that's God, man. That's the heart of God for you. Might be a thing later on, you know. But... That's what you want, though, you know? That's what God wants. He wants you just to look into his eyes because he's sitting there. Imagine how much you know more than this child knows. You have that child because you want your life to go toward making their life good. You think about it. You live your whole life worrying if you can provide for your children or not. And that's God. He's looking at you. And he's like, he ain't worried. Not a bit. He's like, if you just look at me, just look into my eyes, listen to what I'm telling you. You know, he's like a parent, right? Just, if you just listen, <laughs> trust me. Amen. I know what I'm talking about, you know. Amen. I th- <laughs> Amen. Stop. Stop. Just, <laughs> listen. Hello. You know, that's God. He's just looking at you. Just, just listen. Just. And if we do that, he'll then lead us and guide us into truth, into blessing. It is why he created us. It's so that he could be kind to us in the ages to come. It is why he rescued you from death because he doesn't want you dead, sick, broke, I'm not talking about Bugattis and mansions. I'm just talking about where you're not worried all the time. Because your father is good. We are his children, man. You're his child. Yes. And he has left you an inheritance. And it is Jesus. You are a joint heir with Jesus. And because of the context of that relationship, God is actively seeking to bring the fruit of that inheritance into your life. In every moment, in every situation, not just for you, but for the whole world that's watching you so that you can be good to your family and to your friends and to your community Amen. and to those people that are around you. And then it spills out into other people that you don't necessarily want to be good to, but you just can't help it because God's been so good to you. Amen. God's active. He's actively moving right now in this moment. God sees your future. He sees five minutes from now. He sees five days from now, five years from now, and he knows. 
And he knows your heart, and he wants to bring you into the desire of your heart. Not for selfishness, but a healthy way. You understand? And he's actively leading you if you would just look into his eyes and acknowledge him and listen and believe what he told you. And he made it very clear who he is in Christ. And he's got all these promises that are left out there because of what the cross did. That's God. That's what he wants for you. Did you? Some of y'all were with me. And then all of a sudden, you, re, you started remembering a situation. You started remembering a circumstance. You felt an emotion. Something happened. I'm telling you, I can point you out. There's a few of you. It's like just all of a sudden, oh, yeah. Oh, but it can't be that good. Am I telling you the truth? Don't do that. Stop it. <laughs> he is that good. I'm, I, I'm telling you, this is a big deal. When you find yourself being hopeful, and then all of a sudden, it gets reined in. Nope, remember that? <coughs> I, I don't care what it is. You can blame it on the devil if you want to. It is in your head, though. <laughs> I don't want to call you out, but did you feel it? It's like just all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. You're with me, and then mm, can't be that good. Wait a minute. You have to learn how to stay hopeful. Amen. You're not living in denial. You're not, you're not, you know, avoiding responsibility. You're believing God. That's what it feels like to believe God. You still have that situation to deal with. You still have to make choices and decisions. But if you make them hopeful, it'll change the kind of decision that you make. You will be leading. See, God's not just going to make it work out for you. And then all of a sudden, he just made something. The way that he leads you and guides you is he affirms who you are. He brings hope to you. And then he says, all right, now what are you going to choose? I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. It's like, he, oh, by the way, choose life. When you're feeling that hope, that's when you got to make choices. That, and that, you have to learn how to bring yourself to the place of hope. Amen. Amen. God will never forsake us. Amen. He's never going to forsake you. He said that. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. <coughs> are you. Are you with me? Because this is, this is one of those nuances that makes or breaks this new creation, abundant living that's available. This is one of those areas where if you will take the time to, to put yourself in a hopeful position, it's the breeding ground for you to move into the promises. It's the breeding ground for you to change your life, for his glory to be reflected through you. You know, what, what steals your hope? I mean, what just stole your hope just a minute ago? Well, you know, I'm just looking at reality. Well, choose a different reality. Amen. There's a bunch of them. I thought I was dead for a while. That was a reality. Turned out it wasn't true. Praise God. We all have these realities that we live in that are not necessarily based on truth. You can choose a different reality because you are a different kind of being now. But when hope springs up, 
You've got to make the choice. You've got to make the decision. You've got to hold on to it, and you've got to move that direction. Otherwise, it's just going to be a feeling that feels good for a moment, and then it's gone. And then you're sitting right back in your circumstances where you are, brokenhearted and disappointed because God didn't come through for you. And he tried. He just tried. But you let the hope die. You let that hope go away. You didn't make a decision and move and step into where that hope was leading you. You looked at it. You said, mm, that'd be nice, and sat where you were. Trust it, believe it, and act on it. And God's active. God, every moment of every day, God is a force of love and hope in your life. And it's not just the power of positive thinking, and it's not just, oh, I feel really good, but my life's still really terrible. No, it will change when you make different decisions. It just will. He's active, constantly active. You know, and, and a lot of Christianity kind of wants to avoid the transformation process and focus on the power stuff. I want the, I've seen crazy miracles, mostly overseas, some here. I've seen some pretty powerful miracles here. But there's almost this mentality in certain circles in the body of Christ that it's like, all right, we get saved. We learn that Jesus stuff, and then now we're going to go into the power. Now we're going to step into the gifts, and we're really going to be spiritual. I just have a real problem with that mindset. Can you tell? However, that does not negate the gifts. <coughs> However, the gifts should just be a natural expression of you experiencing life with God. Amen. You know, you just, you're just going. You're just enjoying your life thankful, experiencing blessing with God. And, oh, that guy's got a cast on. And because you are aware of your identity and God's love for you, it is not a problem at all to look to that person and just believe that God can help this person too. But what happens is we get in these circles and it's like, we want you to prophesy. The more you fail, the better. It's fine. Don't worry about it because you're trying. Not one mention of character, not one mention of transformation, not one mention of security of salvation. And I'm not just talking about doctrine. I'm talking about living from a place of awareness of who God is and who you are. And that stuff just overflows. It, and it will overflow in the area that God has called it to overflow in. In charismatic Christianity, we have a lot of methods. See, one person would say, well, what you need to do is you need to forgive your dad. Another person would say, well, what you need to do is you need to come in and get deliverance. Then this person over here might say, well, what you really need to do is you need to come in and get inner healing. Well, see, what you really need to do is you need to learn the heart of the Father for you. Well, now see, what you really need to do is you need to learn how to properly divide the work. You know what I mean? So then there's like all these definite, and so you get one person to pray for you and they start walking you through. All right, here we go. We're going to start forgiving everybody in your life. And then, then it becomes like the forgiveness method. Praise God for the forgiveness method when it's needed. You got a demon tormenting you. Praise God for deliverance when it's needed. Amen? You got a wrong thinking about the character of God is revealed in Scripture. 
then you go back and you get stand on the right foundation. So it's not your method, your favorite method is not what everybody on the planet needs. I hate to burst your bubble, but it's true. Yeah, but I experienced this and everybody needs it. Well, what you experienced is wholeness. And yes, everybody needs to experience wholeness. Ultimately, wholeness comes when you understand God's love for you. And there are lots of different tools and methods to get you to a place where you experience God finally, and then you experience wholeness. Lots of different methods. Do not impose your method on everybody, please. I don't care how powerful it was for you, follow God. And appreciate the rest of the body of Christ. Are you with me? We have to value all of that stuff because it works when it's needed. Jesus in Mark 16, 20, this is the idea of Jesus working with us, God working with us, and leading us in all these different areas, you know? Be careful about a specialized ministry. You could be limiting yourself. You could be limiting what that person actually needs. (coughs) And they went out and preached everywhere. This is when Jesus had the 12, and then they needed more, and he calls 70, right? And he sends 70 more disciples out, two by two, in towns to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And he says, and they went out and preached everywhere with the Lord. This is the key phrase here. While the Lord worked with them. Not against them. Not for them. But with them. Think about it. We're sitting around waiting for God to work for us. God, I need you to change this situation. Well, God doesn't work for you. He works with you. Amen? Amen. How do I work with God? Good question. He'll show you. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word, and that word is that living word, because they didn't have the Bible, the New Testament written, right? They did. It is referring to Scripture, but it's more about the word that had been declared through Christ, what he had shown us about the Father. Confirmed the word by signs that followed, and they promptly reported all these signs and these instructions to Peter and his companions. After that, Jesus himself sent out through them from the east to the west and the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. That is what you are to go and preach, is the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. And salvation is all-encompassing, healing, wholeness, soundness, preservation, deliverance, restoration, rescue, and provision. Amen? Good news. That's what you're to do. You're not to go out and try to figure, how to, re- figure out how to reach people. You go out and you tell people, this is the good news. This is the hope of eternal salvation. Now you've got a choice, and then you trust the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm going to take a few minutes to get through this because it breaks down the gifts more than really any other place. But God being active, first and foremost, should be experienced by you for you, through you, right? God's active activity in the earth, it's got to start with you. I don't mean from a selfish perspective, but I mean where you experience wholeness. 
Because if you're not experiencing wholeness, you're looking at people that are hurting, and you're like, you should see what I'm going through. <laughs> you think that's bad. <laughs> you ain't ready. You might want miracles happening, but it's not from a heart of overflow, right? 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start in verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts. Very, very important is the word gifts here is the word charisma or charisma. The word charisma, the root word of it is charis, which is the word grace. So what we're talking about here is not a present of the spirit that you have that you don't have what we're talking about is a grace of the Spirit. Now, what we know about grace is that it is a divine influence on the heart that brings capacity and ability. Essentially, what he's saying here is all of these things in this list, they're the capacities of God, and he will work them through you. They're not separate individual gifts. Now, when it says that he gave gifts to men, and he set apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors, all that stuff in place. That is the word present. But that was like he gave us this idea and this structure to equip the saints through, right? But here it's an expression of God's influence on the heart. That's what a gift is. That is what a gift of the Spirit is. It's not something that one has. All right, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. So diversities of expressions of the Spirit, but the same Spirit. Watch this. The same, say same spirit. Same spirit. Good. All right. Verse five. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Now you watch the Holy Spirit will start. Oh, well, I've never focused on same before. Now, keep in mind that God anoints you and that anointing abides. The anointing that you have is, a, the, is the anointing of Christ in you. There are not separate anointings. There's one anointing, and that is Christ, and it abides. It doesn't come and go like under the old. It, it's not this person has a prophetic anointing. This person has a kingly anointing. This, I don't know. We can make up all kind of anointings these days. That was old covenant. It would come on, the Spirit would come on you for a moment for a particular uh, thing, and then it could lift. This anointing in Christ abides, and it's the same Spirit. All right, here we go. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Now, in, in, in Scripture, when you look at a literary style like this, and there's an emphasis, you got to pay attention to it. He's, he's overtly pointing to the idea, the same spirit, all right? There's different gifts, same spirit. And, and ultimately, the new covenant kind of charismatic language has translated spirit into anointing and splintered it all up. Same God, which works? No. You missed it. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all, all what? All gifts. 
He just said there's different gifts, different administrations, different operations, but it's the same spirit that works all in all. All gifts in all people. Then he explains it a little bit more. All right, here we go. For, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Let's keep going. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now, we have taken what he's describing here to say, I have the anointing of the word of wisdom. Now, nobody, nobody claims that one these days anymore. <coughs> I mean, that, that was like, you know. To another the, the, another, the word of knowledge by the... It's about the Spirit, not the gift. The gift is the manifestation of the same Spirit. Okay, this is, it's just really important because so much division and so much error has been taught around this idea. And so much competition, you get in certain circles where there's not much focus on character and identity and it's on gifts and then people start lording their gifts and, the, and then you have a testimony contest. <laughs> you ever been part of a testimony contest? Well, you're, you're not really missing much, it's weird. For to one is given by the same Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. Interesting, right? God will move on you to be more confident than him because that's ultimately what faith is. It means trust. God will move on you to be more confident in that time. Doesn't mean you have more faith than someone else because God wants you to have more faith. It means he's going to move on you in this area where this boldness and this, you ever, you ever been in those moments, this, bold, this confidence rises up and you're thinking, everything I pray is going to happen right now. <laughs> to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. Now, that's the big one that you've heard, well, he's got a healing anointing. No, he don't. <laughs> Doesn't. He's got Jesus, and in this moment, he is experiencing the manifestation of the Spirit in the area of healing, but it, that same Spirit's in you, and it could work through you. It's just for whatever reason, in this body, what might happen right now is he moves on you to give a word of knowledge, he moves on you to give a word of wisdom, and he moves on you to stand up and pray for somebody to get healed, but it could be a different mix of that in a different setting. Now, he might, he, for whatever reason, now let's keep going. Stay on track. Uh, to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. We just kind of leave that one out. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all, watch again, and he wraps it up again. But all these work that one and self-same spirit, same spirit. He's talking about the anointing. Spirit, the anointing that abides, that abides within you and does not leave. Dividing to every man severally as he will. That just means in this moment, in this body, in this congregation, God might call you to work in several of those gifts in this moment and somebody else to work in other gifts. Are you open to God working the gifts through you? For as 
the body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and we have been made to drink into one spirit. Do you see? I mean, you see the emphasis? It's like it's so obvious what he's trying to say here. For the body is not one member, but many. I mean, he goes through the, uh, takes, painstakingly takes the time to say, yes, there's different gifts, but it's one spirit that works them all. And he chooses in that moment what's going to work through. More on that in just a second. Uh, If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. So somebody that's got a forgiveness ministry, you know, you can't as a hand say to that foot or vice versa, I don't want your ministry. You got to work hand in foot. (laughs) And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not the body, is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were were the healing? Hearing. Uh, if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? I need an app that makes these words more clear here. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body, and it has pleased him. You know, we can't cop an attitude toward people because of how they minister. However, you can't also lock yourself into something where everybody needs the way that you do it. That's why he sent them two by two. You know, I can imagine these guys going two by two, men and women going two by two and just seeing incredible displays, you know. One person does it one way one time, another person does it another way another time. Now, a group, a group might take a flavor, you know what I mean? A group might take a particular focus. You go to some churches and they got flags waving, oil slinging, people rolling around in the aisles. Do your thing, knock yourself out. But don't look at the church down the road and say, well, they aren't doing it like we're doing it. So they're blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, a more kind of hands-up type church like we are, looking at that church, it's real easy for me to look at that stuff and go, watch out flakes over there. What are they doing? <laughs> now, there is a lot of flakiness. There's a lot of flakiness everywhere. And, and I'm not the authority, but I can read Scripture. And my main goal in this idea is to show you, you have the spirit of the living God in you. You are not less than in any way. And in any moment, if you yield yourself and God needs you to function in that gift, you can function in that gift. Amen? However, don't be trying to run around and give everybody words if God's not calling you to give words in that moment. I've seen the cultures where it's like, let's just make up a game where we try to figure out how to give words, and I see a green frog, and it's, there's a rainbow over there, and let's see, I'm going to go to some green frogs. and You know, it just, come on, man. I don't, I don't want everybody prophesying to me. I want the ones that God has called to prophesy to prophesy to me. Amen. Now, he does say, I want all of you to desire the gift of prophecy, and he goes through that whole process, but, it's, but he then ends up saying, but it's got to be done in love. The greatest is love. If love's not the motive... Now, we could go into a little bit more detail. The final word on prophecy that I'll give is that it's for exhortation, edification, 
and comfort. Should always build people up. A word of knowledge might be a warning that might not feel very good to that person, but it will always testify of Jesus. In Revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you ever have a word for somebody, you better follow it up with testifying of what Jesus did in their life. Man, I'm telling you, and some of you in here have gotten these kinds of words from other people and come up to me and you're like, I, man, I, I don't know. You know, somebody came in and it's like, they walked up to this person. They said, I, I, don't, I don't know, I just, I see a dark cloud over you. <laughs> I, I'm telling you the truth. You ever got a word like that? It's like, okay, well, there might be a dark cloud over me. But tell me something about Jesus too. Because I am delivered from that dark cloud. Amen. That dark cloud does not tell me who I am. That dark cloud might have evil intention for me, but God will lead me and guide me into all truth. You, you see what I'm saying? If you're going to give people words of knowledge, and, you know, I, I don't really take the time to teach you how to give those kinds of words. I mean, if, if God wants you to operate in that, you yield your heart to him, he'll show you. He's a better teacher than I am. We might have some times where we kind of practice it a little bit, and that's fine. You know, we have classes like that sometimes. We haven't done it in a while. Probably do another one here pretty soon. But if you're going to go run around and give words to people, it should be comforting, should lift them up, and it should testify of the finished work of Jesus. You see that? You see what I'm saying? Always. Should always end up with, the devil wants to eat your lunch, and you are in deep sin right now, and you're making bad decisions here. I mean, even if that person knows your address, which, you know, if a donkey can prophesy... It ain't that hard. <laughs> I'm not that impressed if a donkey can do it. You know, Balaam, who was ignoring God, and his donkey starts prophesying to him. That's Old Testament story. Anyway, I, I love it. I love it when it is when God moves on somebody's heart and they give you this word. And they're not just doing it for themselves because they feel like that they're supposed to do it because they're trying to be spiritual and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, we've written this thing and it's like, whatever. No. You know, I, I want to see confidence of who you are in Christ in you. And then you speak to me out of God's loving heart toward me. And you tell me what Jesus is saying in this moment. And by the way, if you... Hear God for other people better than you hear God for yourself? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You get in these circles and they all, you know, it's like, well, let's just all start doing this. Let's do this one. We're going to put this gift up front. We're all going to move toward this gift. But, however, when I'm doing this gift, man, I can hear God really good for you. But for me, I'm confused, I'm lost. I'm scared. I'm not, I'm not developing character. I, I don't have any real solid ground to stand on. I don't have a clue what God's telling me right now, but he's telling you this. Mm. Now, if a donkey can do it, somebody else can do it too. But for you, if you desire those kinds of gifts, rest in, your rest in God's love for you. You know, it, it's not that hard to tell somebody what God is saying. 
You know why? Because Jesus has revealed to you everything the Father made known to him. And, And I know we're going kind of long. I want to bring it down to this one idea. You're not in this relationship with God where you're trying to get information from him, even from other people. I think, you want me to, I'll just scare you for a minute. This is what I think. I think because we are so in tune with God, now God won't do it in a way where you use it for personal gain or to, to demean other people or any of that kind of stuff in any unloving way. But I don't think that there's anything that we are actually hiding from each other. I think we know everything about each other because God knows everything about us. And we are one with him and connected with him. And if you were to sit with somebody and just give your heart to the Lord for the moment, you might not know details. And it's not for you to know those details. But you can know exactly where that person is and speak exactly to their situation and help them trust God in that moment. You could do it for everybody. And every believer could do it for everybody as well. I think that's how connected we are as a body. Is you just sit down, and it's not, we're not all these separate lonely islands floating around trying to figure out, can, I think you can sit down, and it's just like, oh, it, and, and so we start thinking, oh, I don't want anybody to know my sin. Where's the fig leaf? I need to cover up a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that shouldn't be the response. It should be, man, it's so free. We're so open with each other. We can be so connected and supportive. That's what I want this place to be. You know, not where we're, we know everybody's dirty laundry, but where we're, we're so for each other because we're not trying to hide from each other. And I want to know what's in your heart because I want to encourage that. I want to breathe on that flame. I want God to, I want to accidentally make you hopeful. You know what I mean? I don't want to try to give you a word. I just want to, because I see you and I'm aware of you and I'm aware of God What comes out of my mouth is what you need to hear. I've been reading this book and really studying this idea of intuition and, you know, listen listen to this coach, this football coach that took this team from nothing to, uh, it's Tony Dungy, you know, I don't know if you remember Tony, but he, he focused on these habits and he's like, you know, there's kind of a formula, but ultimately he's trying to get them to a place where they played without thinking. I want us to live Christianity without thinking. I want us to live in such a way where you're not wondering, is this the right thing to do? Is this sin? And it's because internally you've been so transformed and your your mental processes have been so touched by what God has done for you, you just by accident just love people. You know, you're not trying to be something. You live from what you are. And all of these gifts just naturally flow when you do that. And it's possible for you. Sounds good, sounds easy. Well, you know what? I don't know how to tell you to get there. What I know is that God will take you there. Make the decision, take the journey. Amen? Amen? Let's kind of pray for a minute, make a decision in our heart, settle this. Father, we trust you. Just tell him I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I acknowledge that your spirit is within me. I want to be so overwhelmed by knowing that I'm safe in you. I just want to be at peace. I just want to know that I'm at peace with you. I don't want to worry. 
I don't, want to try, I don't want to live a life where I'm just trying to figure stuff out. I don't want to have to figure stuff out. I just want to trust that I can follow you and you have good things for me. And ultimately, you will lead me and guide me into blessing. I trust that that is who you are as a being, as an entity in my life, as an influence in my life. I trust that you have my best intention at heart. And the more that I see you and the more that I experience this relationship and the more that I can rest in this peace, even when life is chaotic, the more I can sit and rest in this peace, the more I can see others. And the more I can express this peace that I have for others and help others find peace and help others rest in the work that you accomplish, Jesus. And I want every gift available working through me to bring people to an encounter with you, Jesus. And it's just the fruit. It's just the byproduct. Because you are just so flowing through me. It's just what you do. I trust you, Lord. I yield to you. I give you my heart. You know, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, it sounds great, but I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know if I'm going to heaven and you'd like to make that decision, what he did for you, you want to say yes to today, just lift up your hand. You can just wave at me. If you want to say yes, what you did was for me. Well, Jesus, we thank you for giving your life. We thank you for rescuing us from death and sin. And we want to live fully yielded.